Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Dr. O'Malley jumping in here on the uh, Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. Talk a little bit about sports injuries. If you've got an injury, you can jump in here also, 661-1037. Dr. O'Malley, how are you? I'm good. Thanks, guys. It's football time. You're busy, I'm sure. Football, volleyball, well, basketball. Soccer. Uh, you're you're you're, uh, you're 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 going to be very busy the next couple months, I'm sure. I am. Yeah, it's, uh, we're just starting to see the injuries start to roll, in, particularly from football and volleyball. Um, and unfortunately, it's right at the beginning of the season, so some some athletes will not be able to finish the season. What is the most common football and volleyball injury you'll see this year? Yeah. So when it, when it gets to us, a lot of the times it's, it's kind of on the bad side. So for football, a lot of times either a meniscus tear or an ACL tear. Um, for football and volleyball, is the same thing. We see a lot of meniscus injuries. Um, we also see volleyball. We see I see hip injuries. We'll see labral tears. Thankfully, if we um, see labral tears in the hip, a lot of times we can inject them and allow them to finish the season. And then, if we need to, we fix it at the end of the season. What uh, are most of these non-contact for football or more more contact injuries? Well, yeah. So most ACL injuries are non-contact. If you look at most of them, are a pivoting non-contact injury. They're more common. For ACLs, actually in females, and particularly female soccer players, uh, are the most common um, to see ACL injuries. But we see it also from a direct blow, too. So they can happen um, from getting hit. Unfortunately, when they get hit, um, it's normally a worse injury. So they normally have like an MCL tear. Um, they could have other ligaments that are torn when they actually take a direct blow to the knee in, in, in football, uh, where when it's just a pivot and twist, most of the time that is an ACL. Uh, plus or minus a meniscus there. Let me ask you a non-orthopedic question, since we're on to talk about orthopedics. You know the uh, the helmets where they have the extra padding on the outside. I'm under my understanding is there are some people pushing for, maybe they're implementing the usage of that on a more regular basis in practice time. Are you a fan of that, and do you believe the impact is significant? Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't believe there's been uh, data to prove that they're actually making the concussions less likely, but they make sense to me, right? Whatever we can do to protect our, our athletes. Um, and I think one of the things when they have them on, they're less likely to hit as direct blows. And so, I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these, um, the head traumas, not just from one contact, it's from multiple um, contacts with the helmet. And so that's where I believe that it is beneficial. And so I do recommend it. But if you look at the data, I don't believe that there's been data that say it truly is protecting. It's the same thing if you look at our offensive linemen, right? You put them in knee braces, but if you actually look at the studies on those knee braces, they haven't really been proven to reduce the risk of them tearing their MCL or sustaining a knee injury. Coach Pimmon said the other day that they wore those during spring practice and didn't have any concussions. Hmm. And I guess they're not all wearing them right now, and they've had a couple concussions during fall camp. I don't see a reason not to. We Clemson, we had our. It was actually elective, and they kind of amazed them to start all wearing them. Because why would you not take one extra step to protect them from getting a concussion, particularly at this point in the season where all they do is risk missing part of the actual season? Yeah, it's like, hey, Joe, you want to use this or not? He's like, nah, I'm good. Joe, do you care about your brain? Not that much. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so let's talk about prevention real quick, Doc, before we move on to some of the injuries we wanted to get into specifically. Uh, what can you do as a football player, volleyball player this time of year to be preventing injury or maybe leading up to it, even over the summer? Let's take us back in time. You know, like Cher once talked about, if we could turn back time, what would we we'd be doing back in like uh, May, June? What should we do, can we do to make sure or try to uh, limit the amount of these injuries? 
Yeah, so one thing that's important um, for right now is just making sure the kids are staying hydrated when they're outside. It's a nice day, and so they're going to go outside and probably not drink very much, uh, and then they risk getting dehydrated, and particularly as our temperature starts getting back into normal August uh, and September weather where it gets over 100 degrees, it's really important that the hydration um, is, is a key, and not just hydrating in practice, hydrating all throughout the day. And so most of our, our particularly football players and soccer players, uh, should be carrying water during the day and drinking water throughout the entire day, um, stretching a really good stretching program, and then even in preseason, making sure that the work, their routine, and their strength and conditioning is appropriate. And so with a really giving their all in strength and conditioning so they're ready to perform. And so uh, I think that's where we see a lot of it is the guys and our athletes just kind of mess around with strength and conditioning, and then they expect to go be able to perform, and then they're putting themselves at a disadvantage where they may even get injured or may try to do something that their body just can't do because they didn't didn't prepare appropriately. So I think a lot of it is the practice and training that goes into it. Makes sense. Let's talk about Kyler Murray. He's got a, uh, a wrist injury he's dealing with, not particularly great for a quarterback. <laughs> West. He probably needs to stop playing so many video games oh. and be in the film room, and then maybe he won't get a wrist injury now. Too soon, Doc. I think too soon. I mean, uh, it sounds like it's probably not going to be that big of a deal. Uh, my guess is come the beginning of the season, he should be good to go. Okay, Wait, Let's break away from this for a second and talk to uh, Angry Buckeye. He's got a question for you. What's up, Buckeye? How are you? Good, well, fellas. Uh, always great to have the doc on the on this on the radio. Uh, I had a question for him. I have a tear in my ACL and currently in line for surgery, but I've been given some different options, and I was curious about your professional opinion about either doing stem cells to help uh, regrow that, or if I do go through with the surgery to do a cadaver ACL or to use my own uh, my own uh, ligaments from my own body. And I appreciate your opinion. Thank you. So how, how old are you? He gave it up. Oh. Let's say Angry okay. Buckeyes are around 40 years old. Okay. So um, my opinion, stem cells, they're don't not guess. really stem cells, and they don't regrow ACL. The problem is once you tear your ACL, it doesn't regrow itself. Um, and so the options are there is some newer options out there to actually fix the ACL. Um, but if you look at the data, it's not really that great, and it's probably only really good in our young like like teenagers and kids who tear their ACL because they have better healing potential, uh, where for the rest of us, uh, you have to rebuild it. So I describe it as we've got to get a rope from somewhere to rebuild your ACL. And so we essentially have three different options that are not uh, that are your own, your hamstrings. I personally don't like hamstrings because they're, um, they're inconsistent on the size. Patellar tendon is the like, go-to. If you're in the NFL, that's what you're going to get, patellar tendon. The downside with patellar tendon is you risk getting like anterior knee pain or knee arm pain. About 50% of people will get that. My go-to, and it's kind of the – I've been using it for seven years now, and now everybody's starting to jump on the bandwagon of quad tendon. So above the kneecap is a great option. It's a really beefy tendon, um, and it's the most actual collagen that you can get when you're reconstructing an ACL using your own tendon. The other option is cadaver tendon. Cadaver tendon is great um, in our older patients. We start talking about older ACLs. It's really probably 35 and older. Is an older ACL. I qualify for that. Um, for me, uh, allografts or, or cadaver tendon is a really good option. If you're like, hey, I just want to go play with my kids. Uh, I want to have a stable knee to, to run and just be pretty normal. If you want to go out and play uh, soccer or you want to be playing competitive tennis, it probably makes more sense in our higher performance athletes, even over the age of 35, to be doing autograph, which is their own tendon and in my hands. Most of those are going to be quad tendon just because of the, the amount of collagen that I can give them and hopefully reduce the risk of them re-tearing it. What's the difference between my tendon and DGT? 
That's dead guy tendon. Uh, so, um, one, I don't have to take it from you, right? If you take it, that's another insult to your body, right? So you got to recover from that. And so for me, uh, my, if I turn my ACL, I want to get back to work as quickly as I can. And so I'm not having to go through taking my own tendon to do that. I can use somebody else's tendon. There is a slightly higher risk of graft rejection where you would reject it. It's super low and really don't worry about that too much, but it can happen. Um, and then um, it's somebody else's tendon. And so some people don't ever want somebody else's tendon in them, where other people are like, hey, take the least amount of cuts on me. If I can use somebody else's tendon and I have to use my own, yeah. I'll go for that. So he's not using it. Dealer's choice. That's what I'm saying. He's right. not, so, but you're acting, you, you suggested or insinuated, unless I misheard this, that using your own tendon in a higher performing athlete is beneficial in what way? Um, the re rupture risk of, so if you look at the re so under the age of 25, in my opinion, should always use you should always use their own tendon because they do have a higher risk of re-rupture if you use cadaver tendon. Hmm. Once you go over 35, um, you kind of negate that risk. That risk is probably about the same. Um, but there is there's definitely some better healing potential with your own tissue versus somebody else's. So then you have to look at the pros and cons. And so for me, if I tear mine and I'm having mine reconstructed, I want to get back to work. And I think in most of my patients, if I use cadaver tendon, they're just more functional sooner. And functional is walking around and having a, and they're not have that insult of having to take their own tendon. Yeah. And so if their goal is like, hey, I want to get back to work as soon as I can, but I also just want to be able to play with my kids, that's a good option. But if you want to be a high performance athlete, it's still better to just use your own tendon for that. And so you kind of have to pick and choose. And so that's why in my hands, there's not one size fits all. I figure out what patients, what they do, what their activity level is, what they want to go back to do. Um, and then what are their goals, and then give them the options, and I let them choose between those options what, what works for them. Okay, it's interesting. Uh, if I if I got a tendon from a high-performing athlete, would that help? Like, I was just thinking, like, no, no, no disrespect, but, like, <laughs> I won't even name names, but I, I was thinking of a recently passed athlete, and I was like, like, if I could get his tendon, would that help me immensely if he didn't tear his ACL the whole time he was alive? I don't know. Uh, so, right, so we actually don't use their ACL. Uh, we use like a different tendon, um, and so the ACL is actually a ligament. So we actually oh. use a tendon out of them, the um, and not actually their ACL to rebuild it with. Yeah. I'm sorry, I was thinking, um, I was thinking no, the ACT really doc, matter. the old ACT, <laughs> the anterior cruciate tendon. That's the one I was thinking of. My bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe if we find one of those, we could use a high performance athlete, and Look, that may make you a little bit better. If you got an ACT already, you're, you're probably too high performing anyway. We can't fix you. You're, you're perfect. Yeah, you're six Correct. million dollar man. Does it matter uh, what sex the cadaver is when you're taking uh, a tendon from them and putting it into a different Why are we patient? talking about sex and dead people? Why did, that's what I'm at. Some, what a female's... Can we say gender, please? Yeah. <laughs> Weirdo. Does that matter? I have a word for that. It does, it does not matter. And there's not like you have to take. And so oh, patients ask me all the time about, like, do I need to take anti-rejection? No. <laughs> Um, because what actually you reject is actually if you get blood, there's no blood in that tendon. Um, and the same thing, like if I transplant cartilage into somebody, uh, if I use somebody else's cadaver cartilage and do cartilage work, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. There's no blood in that, and so you don't actually have an immune response to it. Well, like go. an organ, you have an immune response to, so you actually take anti-rejection medicine. My transplants, you don't have to do that for the, because there's no blood in that. For the record, Doc, I just want to go on the record yes. that someday – I hope you have a chance to put some chick's 
tendon in Westmore. That would be amazing. Okay? Even though it doesn't I matter. Will sure it's a female, I will make sure it's a female tendon. Yes, I will make so many estrogen jokes for, for him going forward if that happens. Uh, all right, speaking of knee injuries, let's talk about Jamison Williams. I think people who followed Arkansas and Alabama and the SEC last year know he was an elite athlete and ended up getting taken in by the Lions, still trying to get back on track here with, uh, with Detroit. What's ahead for him? I mean, he looks pretty good. I've seen him running, and I, I think he's doing fine. If you look at the reports, they're probably going to hold him out for at least the first month, uh, if not the first two months of the season, just to give him the full recovery that he needs. I mean, he's a long-term draft pick for them, and so you may see, you may say, look, I'm just not ready to go, and it may be November, December before he's ready, but my guess would be October is probably a reasonable time timeline for him to come back. Jack, the Jets fans are breathing a sigh of relief after uh, Wilson had his scare with his knee. The thing that I found interesting, Doc, was they were like, well, well, we'll know more about his ACL once we open him up and take a look. Is that happen often? Because it seems like most of the time they're like, they know right away whether it's torn or not. Yeah, so you just wonder is it is, – I mean, I read those reports too. I, I, it could have been that he had some strain to his ACL and they wanted to look at that. Most of the time we know – if the ACL is torn or not, I kind of describe it as if you're either you're not partially you're not partially pregnant, you're not partially torn ACL. If it's partially torn, it's all the way torn. Um, and so um, they they probably knew, but they just wanted to confirm that it was okay by looking at it when they went in to cut out that torn meniscus that he had. But Wes, you better be damn sure that I'm going to suggest that you are partially pregnant when you get that chick tendon. <laughs> um, let's talk about uh, Taysom Hill, Doc. He is coming back for the Saints. Going to play primarily tight end. It looks like, even though Jameis Winston's under the weather, he's got a ankle or a foot or something going on but he's uh Taysom's dealing with a Liz Frank injury and it's spelled L-I-S-F-R-A-N-C not like a woman named Liz Frank what is the nature of that injury in the recovery yes it's actually a pretty bad injury to the foot and they describe it as like that keystone ligament to the foot when you tear that your foot can actually collapse so it's important Hmm. that that's treated appropriately and I missed Liz Frank is is a really bad injury um, so thankfully he had it treated appropriately. I mean, from the foot standpoint, he's probably he's been back, I believe, at practice. I think he has a rib injury now. Um, but and so from here it's just really his comfort level and getting him back just in game shape. Okay. Wes? Good. Guess that's that. All right, Doc. Thank you so much for the time. We appreciate you. And uh, if anybody else needs help from the good doctor, I don't know if you could tell, we took him all over the map today. He knows what he's talking about. Colonel Glenn, Autumn Road, Shackleford West, and his uh, colleagues aren't too shabby either. UAMSHealth.com slash orthopedics, 501-526-1046. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right, Doc. And unfortunately, the next time we have him on, probably going to have a lot of injuries to be talking about already, and that'll be a bummer. But uh, that's the way it goes, Nature nature of the season. Yep.